Before this episode begins, just a quick reminder that we are not professionals in any way. The views, information or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the hosts and guests can change at any time. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. You're here with your host, Josh. Jacob. And today we're going to be talking about the big, the bad, the scary, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> okay, so we'll get straight into it. I'll read today's introduction. So today's episode, we'll be discussing about the positive and negative outcomes of capitalism in a society. We can currently see either from research or current circumstances and past events in history that the outcomes from capitalism positively outweigh the detriments of alternative economic systems. What is it that makes this possible and continues to have it be implemented in order for further prosperity? Let's talk about it. Let's go. See, I want to I quickly go into why I think capitalism is like good all okay. around for, for economics. So, for the I mean, economy in general. Yeah, for the economy in general. Thank you. So, we can look at like people being able to take the risk of putting themselves out there to offer a product to other people and whether or not people wish to buy that or not is to say whether or not that is going to progress into the future i mean like people only buy shit if they feel it's like worth something to them i mean like if someone's going to put something out there that just isn't worth it to someone then it's no longer going to exist so i mean like it sort of moves at the rhythm of what people think is the right thing to have in a society and from that it continues to build its adaptation of furthering its technological advances or going into our new standards of living, I could say. But also with the competition of capitalism, if you don't, someone else will. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, in order, like, because we always talk, like, some people talk about the destructive power of capitalism. It's like, yes, capitalism in in essence is the birth and destruction of businesses but at the same time what that completely misses is what comes out of that birth and destruction so an increase in material standards increase in efficiency better use of materials all this stuff comes from one company corporate whatever outperforming the other one in some sort of way so, although, yes, it is a destructive force, it also is a creative force at the same time. So, you've got to look at not only because a lot of people like to focus on the negative side of capitalism and fair enough, there are some flaws in the system, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. But at the same time, we've also got to recognize the fact that capitalism has brought us a really long way. And like I pointed out in, I think it was standards of living, where the exceptions, poverty has always been the norm. We've- or our economy has managed to lift us and other first world countries out of that. And one thing we all have in common, funnily enough, is a capitalistic free market economic system. And every individual within that society needs to be free in order to buy up those products. So, I mean, like, it offers freedom to literally everybody. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. To do whatever. That's it. You've got to have a choice at the end of the day. Exactly. And capitalism provides it because- you're always provided with better choices. And and then on the other hand, if someone provides you a choice that's not as good, 
well, then you won't choose it and that'll be taken out of the market. It basically gets rid of useless businesses. As harsh as that sounds, if you come out with a business that doesn't do it better, at least the same standard, if not better, than what already exists in that market, well, then there's no real need for you to be in that market, let's be honest. Unless you're servicing a group of people that cannot be serviced by who's already in the market, say, for example, remote towns or whatever, and you're able to give them a service that they can't get from what's already in the market, well, then you're still doing a service that's better because you're able to reach markets that they can't. Whereas if you come out with the exact same shit, the exact same standard in the exact same market, there's no real incentive for me to pick you over who I'm already with or what I already consume. There's no point. And therefore, it's a waste of materials. It's a waste of time. It could be used better somewhere else. And that's what capitalism does. It distributes scarce resources in places where they're most needed or are most useful. Yeah. So, in that respect, and that was one problem that, say, for example, communism had with like this whole central planning thing of their economics. And that's why it's when tits up because you can't centrally plan all the relations between different materials, products, producers, means of production, all of that, and the consumer. You just cannot do that, especially not back then. And so, in terms of responding to the marketplace, they just weren't able to do it as efficiently as a free market. The market decides. And that was one thing I remember they were talking about in, which book was it? I can't remember, but they were talking about when the Soviet economic um, economists came Actually, no, the US went over to the Soviet Union and they were talking about economics and they were like, well, how do you, how do you price everything? It doesn't make any sense. No one's, no one's running it. And I was like, yeah, that's the whole point is the economy runs itself. It decides what is most useful, what's best. And that's how prices are decided. It's decided by the market. And so it's, oh, okay. So <laughs> it's like two very completely different systems. Yeah, exactly. And those prices would eventually have to you know change over time i mean like something isn't always going to cost the same as what it was like five or ten years ago i mean like it's it's always changing i mean like with as far as minimum wage goes it grows as inflation grows but to say that this is this the price that it's going to be is it's just absurd it's just absurd but that's why i like uh the whole free market idea it's literally survival of the fittest involved in an economic system yeah it's just what's been natural evolution since yeah. the start of time exactly. except in an economic system exactly and you know it's we shouldn't look at equal opportunity as or not equal equal outcome as a thing that we should all thrive for because it takes away what is most natural within us to strive for the best thing i mean like you know we don't have things that we no longer need on our bodies or in our bodies because it's only right that it should be there. It's just like, no, it's not there because it just isn't right to have it anymore. So we continue to thrive as the environment changes and we adapt to that. I mean, like, we're no longer using horses to get around with now. I mean, like, of course, as, like, cars came along, there would have been some stir up about, oh, like, what's going to happen with these people and stuff? But it's just like, well, the market changed. Things got better. We just move on. But the thing is, the Things, only the people only, move on. The only reason that cars overtook horses is because they were a better option. Yeah, they were more efficient. They were more powerful. They were able to do more things, go more places. 
That's the only reason cars overtook horses. They didn't overtake horses because the people who made cars really wanted them to overtake horses. It wasn't, I think they should overtake horses, therefore they will. It was, no, they provide a better service or a more a high utility than a horse. Therefore, the market will pick them over horses. And yeah. it's kind of funny how now pretty much everyone can get a car. I mean, you can get a second beat up car for like 200 bucks. Yeah. Whereas now it's rich people that have horses. Yeah. <laughs> so on a complete 180. Although if the petrol prices keep going the way they are. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, like, as things become a lot more economical with a car as well, it doesn't exactly stop uh, production from, like, let's just say, for example, with uh, fuel, the more economic a car becomes with fuel, it doesn't like slow down carbon uh, waste production from the car either. It continues to climb as well because of uh, making it more cheaper and affordable for everyone else to have access to those cars. I remember in that book that she was going on about it, like the person was saying what book are you referencing to again oh what was that the myth of capitalism <laughs> no, that's the one that's the one. yeah so i mean like she was going on about i think it was in the 40s i believe she was saying that there was this person a scientist was overlooking how economics worked with fuel and continually to progress in terms of making engines more efficient that he would have thought that it would have slowed down how much uh, carbon or waste was going into the atmosphere, but it actually grew because there was more access to people having... Yeah, more people would be driving. Yeah, because it was far more affordable It's like well. the, It was like the whole thing I was talking about with Walmart. It was like you have prices so low that more of the market ends yeah. up coming in, therefore you make more of it because there's more money. It'd be the same thing with cars. You make cars cheaper, well, more people are going to have cars. Exactly. I think, what was it? Um, I was watching a thing the other day and they were talking about, I can't remember if it's... Is it Denmark? I think it might be Denmark, but they were talking about because someone was pointing out, oh, the socialist system they have in, I think, oh, fuck, was it Denmark? It's one of those countries. And they were like, oh, this socialist system we have over there. And when you look at their actual policies, it's quite strange because when you think of socialist, you'd think of like high corporate tax, so high taxes on business, low taxes on people and consumers. But in fact, it's the other way around. So, corporate tax is only about 25%, which really, like max, which really isn't that much. For you to buy a car, there is a 200% consumer tax on buying a car. What? Yes. Jeez. You know what that does? So, some people would like to say that, oh, well, it encourages less use of cars in the community. Does it encourage or does it force? Yeah. Because, okay, the average family has one car over there which is not what it is here. Although we have our own problem. I'm pretty sure we still have the car import tax, which was used to save the Australian car industry. Well, we don't have a fucking Australian car industry anymore. So why is it still there? Yeah. Anyway, besides the point. So, <laughs> but the point is, it's like you have this 200% tax. You're not encouraging me. You're forcing me to, because if I refuse to pay the tax, well, then what happens? I go to jail. So what you're actually telling me is, Pay 200% tax, uh, it's like stamp duty basically, on this car or go to jail. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm not really being encouraged. I'm being forced. But they look up to that as being like, well, that's that's the system you should look up to. It's like, okay, well, first of all, it's completely against what you actually stand for. They don't even describe themselves as socialist, but you look to them as a socialist country. And then also it's kind of- 
it's kind of i mean i get it from like a ecological standpoint but in terms of encouraging innovation in the car industry it would do the complete opposite exactly right i mean like the more acts the more people want to have these products and in a free market there's always going to be competitors and if someone can do something better then people are going to buy up that better thing i mean like it isn't to make more cars harder to harsher to the environment where people are going to be like fuck yeah i mean like not everyone thinks like that and that's where i see the problem is that like we're uh, pushing for this climate solution and we're forcing governments to make uh regulations and make it harder for people i mean like in terms of regulations on where we draw the line on how uh how the standards of a product should be yes but don't make it impossible for people to meet those standards as well because so, now you're disencouraging competition so, exactly because in time eventually that person will be able to push past those standards and maybe be at the top of be at the top of the list if something be- can become more economical and affordable people are going to buy those products i mean like we've seen a major shift in the market not just in the market but in the minds of the people that if we're going to move forward into a cleaner future we should invest in uh, products that help better the help better the future so i mean like if a government is regulating and making things harder for people that aren't in the market but wish to be in the market to put their product out there then we're not going to see those products yeah and that is becoming a huge problem because there is only a handful of people that can be out, that can actually do it, and they're the ones that are already in the market. Yeah, well, it's like I was, you know, mentioned with the whole like the market shifts not only for economic reasons but for ethical reasons as well. An example of that is now all the major car brands are making electric vehicles, so that's a shift towards greener we'll say greener car use but it's all the major car brands that are making them Mm. because they have the money the facilities to spend on research and development r&d for these types of products and so the market shifts to fit the demand and that's capitalism but at the same time i think we should also look at the fact that when we talk about these bigger companies, and this is something that is wrong with capitalism and is talked about a fair bit in the myth of capitalism, is when companies do become so big to the point where they kind of become their own political entities yeah, and can lobby for certain decisions and get involved with politics and also if any startups or anything like that start can pretty much absorb them, whether it be through the startup's choice so, and look, there are some startups that start and their end goal is to be bought out by a bigger company. Some people are like, I have a great idea. I'm going to build it up a little bit and then I'm going to pitch it to a bigger company and they can, they can buy out my shit. They can buy my intellectual property or they can buy the business that I've started, yada, yada, yada. Some people want to make a quick buck, but other people do want to develop their business. And when a big company sees that they've made an innovation that they were unable to make themselves, they can go to that small business and be like, hey, We'll, we'll buy you out. You know, you can continue to work on it, but we'll owe you, like we'll own you, sort of thing, which sounds a bit rough. <laughs> and that person can say yes, I'm sure, or they can say no. But the problem is, is when that big business can then make their life a living shithole because they refuse that offer or start selling whatever their product is at a loss because they have the extra capital to do so. 
in order to put the other person out of business, that's when it becomes an issue. It's less of capitalism, more of a, just a single direction market at that it, point. There's no longer the competition in capitalism because capitalism only works with competition. And because if there's no competition, what do you end up with? You end up with a monopoly. Or a duopoly or an what is it? Oligopoly. Oligopoly. Thank (laughs) you. A monopoly is a single uh, person that can only meet the demand. Or a single corporation. A single corporation that can. Duo is, you know, two. Two. And an oligopoly is- Basically uh, two more. Yeah, a little bit more. So, and that's what ends up happening. Say, for example, Google in terms of search engines. I mean, you can't- Just It just smacks. (laughs) Yeah. In the book, it goes through it and it's just- ridiculous i mean in terms of when you want to talk about getting involved in government the amount of money that they gave to the barack obama campaign well it was over 100 million dollars um and then through that entire era they were able to make so you have so if i want to buy another company i purchase them but it's the government's also going to make sure that that doesn't end up with me having a monopoly in the market and so you have antitrust cases. But in this case, Google, I think, what was it? Google and Facebook were able to buy some 500 companies in the last 10 years. No problem. So, well, okay, now we're getting to a point where the government doesn't fuck with you. Yeah. And, and we need to look at it from the perspective of it's no longer, it's not, it's, I mean, like, yes, they've absorbed 500 companies, but that's five, 500 less chances of, something coming up and redirecting the market in a better in a better way yeah at the end of the day the the consumer loses exactly and also that's a whole bunch of employment opportunities and so on and so forth and that people have missed out on and it's not always to better themselves sometimes they don't even use what it is that people are trying to put out there as well they just keep the intellectual property and make sure it does and goes nowhere mm. it, i mean like there's to have it just means no one can have it. Yeah. Well, this is the what they were going through the example with Boston Dynamics, which was a robotics company that was like, it was like the the edge of the edge of robotics and was technology. That was all over social media yeah, at one point as well. I remember that years ago. Yeah. And then, so Google buys them, and then, well, a couple of years later, they end up ditching the whole thing because they're like, oh, we don't want to be associated with scary robots. It's like, well, well, there goes that. <laughs> well, there goes that entire fucking pathway of future, future developments just gone out the window. Exactly, and I mean, like, you look at you look, you can look at that and go, you know what? If we had have kept uh, going in that direction, you know, who knows what we could have done for people that have uh, missing missing parts on their body? I mean, like an arm that could work at whatever the brain's telling it to work at. I mean, like that could have been a possibility. I mean, like we've got similar things like that today, but it's just like that progression in that direction that it was taking could have improved it. Just automation in general. threefold, who knows? So, you know, I mean, like, it just, it gets really, it gets really bad when, you know, there's no other directions that people can take. And I feel like it can send a society a little bit feral because it's just stuck on the same line. There's nothing, there's nothing actually exciting going on. There's nothing new coming out. It's just the same thing just with a little bit, just a little bit better. I mean, like, in terms of, like, what iPhone and Samsung have, do, uh, have been doing, I mean, like, they've been competing against each other for a while now. But, I mean, like, in terms of what it is that other companies could come up and offer, could be offering, you know, 
we just don't know. We just do not know. Like, who knows? We could have had phones that are see-through and, you know, paper thin and all that. I'm just spe- just speculating here. But, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, also, who knows what could have happened if something wasn't so big that it squashes out anything else that can get involved. And in terms of that as well, I mean, let's talk about the pharmaceutical industry quickly because I can't remember. Is that patent laws? Yeah, so you have protection of a certain product that you produce up to, it used to be up to 10 years. But if you have major control in regulating certain things, then you can continue renewing that pattern. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing with like lobbying. If you want someone to change something to suit, say, for example, there's a law or an act, you need it to be put in place in order to get your way. Well, now you start lobbying towards politicians and that's like, okay, this is no longer capitalism. You're now getting it. It's actually getting more into like communism than yeah. it is capitalism because now you're ending up with a centrally planned economy. Now the government is actually planning the economy. The, the free market isn't doing it anymore. It's now the government saying, yeah, we'll allow you to do that. You give us this and therefore go ahead. What's that? Well, now it's now that's centralized. That's no longer a free market. Yeah. I think- what was the case they were going? Microsoft. Microsoft had the whole lawsuit with uh, Internet Explorer, their browser, because it was built into their system. There was an antitrust case about that because, like, well, you're now making a monopoly for browser um, because it was inbuilt. They were like, you're now having a monopoly on internet browsers because it's pre-installed. Like, and people were just going to default to that. Like, that's not okay. That's not fair. Also, you're not giving other developers the information they need in order for their search engines to be compatible with your software, your iOS. And what should have been learned from that is you need to have a more free open market. Don't try to monopolize something because the government has antitrust cases and they will take it apart, yada, yada, yada. It's in your best interest to have competition, be open to ideas Instead, what did they learn? If you lobby the right people, you get what you want. And it's like, that was, <laughs> you were so close. You were so yeah. close. But n- And then it's just gone in the complete opposite direction. So now it's no longer free open market. And this is the whole thing about the myth of capitalism. It's like, yes, we live in quote unquote capitalist society, but it's becoming less and less capitalist by the day. Yeah. The more central planning, I say central planning as if we're in communism, but the more that the government gets involved in allowing, and this is the whole thing. Capitalism is like a a sports game. You have teams that play against each other and the government is the referee. What, and- and this is the thing. So, the game, like with any game, it's got to be- The rules have got to be rules that everyone plays by. Everyone has the same amount of rules applying to them, the same set of rules, and they've got to play by it. And that's the game of capitalism. Well, it no longer becomes capitalism when the referee goes, you can do something. But you cannot. But you cannot. Yeah. Or you're already in the sector, so now we're going to put regulations in place to stop other people from getting in the sector- you now have to abide by those regulations or at least get through them. And I'm talking to the other team now because regulations, quality control. But if team A didn't have to go through that and now team B does, well, now team B's got an extra cost on top of everything else and team A doesn't have to pay that. Exactly. And almost doesn't seem worth it at the end of the day. And But then it also becomes more centrally planned because now the government goes, yes, we like business A. Business B, no. Therefore, 
You're basically planning the economy. How are you not planning the economy exactly. at that point? And there's there's nothing telling company A to do better. It's and, just yeah. it's just all that there is. So whatever is out there, you have to take. I mean, like yeah. you've got no other choice. You want something, that's it. And that's the whole idea with uh, medication being uh, certain medications becoming so expensive because of patent laws. They were like, yep, you can you have ten years of holding this knowledge before it has to be given out to other companies to be able to use and be able to you know sell sell off so like i said if you can continue moving that patent law forward and forward then no other company has access to that unless it tries unless it actually finds out how it actually works but who knows yeah it comes up with a better version of it but there's nothing to work off in the first place exactly so i mean like at that point, if no one else is doing it, but you have the demand there, especially if someone's sick and they need that, then what is stopping you from continuously rising, raising those prices? Yeah, nothing. Exactly. And it's not like the people that send those, you know, minerals or vitamins and stuff to those companies make more money either. No, they, they pay those small-ass fees and also they're the ones that lose out as well because there's, no other, there's not actually a lot of other companies that are offering the same product in the market for them to sell to them either so i mean like one company is selling it for this high price everyone's suffering but there's only one benefit here a beneficial here and that's the company that is selling that product and people will buy it and put themselves in debt because no one likes dying (laughs) so you know that's that's the problem i think there's a quote from the book that i found quite hilarious in it when it comes to screwing over consumers, you can always trust the government to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, that was pretty smart. Uh, it, it is pretty smart. I mean, like, in terms of, I know you haven't reached a conclusion yet, no, but uh, the way the, the person puts it in the book, she goes, look, we're not asking for these massive, massive companies to conti- like, just to stop altogether. No, they still have a place in the market. We're just asking for them to break it up sell it off into a percentage and also companies that own companies that people working within large companies not to buy up massive amount of shares for other of other companies so that way they're connected and can direct the market because let's just say for example you know you think of duopolies and oligopolies and stuff you know oh well they're still separate they can still compete well actually not all the time because they get together and what what were they calling themselves like the mafia or some of them were calling them the mafia yeah. and shit and they would get together and they would go look we're not exactly in the same ballpark in terms of company but we can work together in directing those prices and that becomes a problem because if a company is di- if all companies are directing the prices, then nothing's stopping them from driving those prices up. Yeah. And that's um, it. It's not competition. That's co- that's collusion. That's exactly. Illegal. And also they were going into the idea, it's like, well, collusion, collusion's illegal. You can't do that. So therefore it doesn't happen. It's like, okay, well, if I have two mega corporations, say for example, I have two corporations that have 85% of the market share of a certain product. You're pretty much a duopoly at that point. The rest of the competitors are, peasants compared to your two companies and let's say for example one of the companies increases the price by a set amount well or or decreases either way now as the other company i could either 
decrease my price. So now now that they've increased, I've decreased. So now there's a big price gap. Or I could take advantage of what they've just done and also increase my price. And we haven't communicated me in this other company. We've just observed each other's prices. And so I increase my price. And if we're the two duopolies of the, the market, well, no one's going to stop us. Yeah. And so instead of starting a rivalry or competition with this other entity, we've just agreed together without without actually communicating, but we've agreed, well, you know what? Yeah, we'll take a little bit of extra profit. Why not? Yeah. I no, mean, I don't like, want to upset your feelings. <laughs> you don't want to upset mine. So, sure. And, and this was like, I talked about it. Oh, I think it might've been in the first episode, the fear of loss. The fear of loss is so much stronger than the excitement of gain. So- if I'm one of these companies, I don't want to lose my market, like my spot in the market. So I better play by the rules that me and this other entity have, without talking, have put have put together. So I would rather be coer well, not coercive. I would rather collude with them than to have them be my competition. Because if they're my competition, we're going to have a price war that's going to one of us is going to fail. That's the whole point of competition. One of us is going to get blown out of the market. And that's scary because that's a fear of loss of everything. That's the entire business I could lose. Or I could, you know, play best mates with the other company. And instead of fearing of losing anything, well, we can all just be one big happy family and have our profits. It's like, well. It's a dishwasher. And so, you, you no longer have to face that fear of loss. There's no more competition. You don't have to worry. And it seems to be a case with a lot of the examples she was talking about. It was just companies coming together and saying, look, we don't really want to compete with you because the price, like we'll have an ugly price war, cuts will have to be made everywhere, yada, yada, yada. It was basically, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this and I don't want to lose that. So, if we work together, nobody has to lose anything. Yeah. And it's like, so you're so, it's that fear of loss. You don't want to lose anything. So, if you can agree with the other party to not force each other to lose that shit, A, you avoid the whole monopoly situation because the government's pretty good at taking part monopolies unless they are allowing the monopoly. So, you avoid the whole, oh, they're a monopoly. It's like, no, 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 we've got competitors of the same size. So, therefore, you no longer deal with the monopoly thing. So, you get rid of that. But then also, you get rid of the competition. You don't really have to worry anymore. As long as you guys kind of stay on the same track, you know, you read each other's media exports and prices and that, you can kind of just stay on the same page and chill out. And then especially if you want to add in government regulation and stuff on top of that, bro, we're sitting cozy. I don't need to, I don't fear losing anything. I don't fear competition. Investors are going to love me as well because there's no one competing <laughs> <Warren> with Buffett. me. <laughs> and that was his whole that was his whole investment plan. Find monopolies or duopolies or what was the other one? Oligopolies. I can't say it. <laughs> that one is what? Find those, invest in them because there's no competition. Exactly. And that's what like everyone looks up to Warren Buffett. I mean, like he has made people money because of his ideas and stuff, but so I mean like Warren Buffett has made people a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> there we are. But in terms of uh, directing people to invest in markets that are competitive that's a no-go because when there's competition there's more risk so in terms of buying up stocks in risky companies or companies that are competitive with others there's just not a whole lot of money being going into that so you know it's, it's harder for smaller companies to eventually come up 
But in terms of the big companies that have less competition, well, there's no one competing with them. So what is stopping them from making them more money in the end? It's pre- In that case, you're pretty much just putting your money or the investors are putting their money in a savings account with high interest. Exactly. That's really all they're doing. And don't get me wrong, those companies got to where they got for a reason. They obviously at some point in time had an innovation that bet all the, beat the rest of the competition and put them where they are. That's capitalism, baby. My problem <laughs> is, is when then you don't allow the same thing to happen to that company. Exactly. That's yeah. when it's like, okay, well, you know, like, and especially if the government's like, or th- if they're lobbying the government, that's bad. <laughs> cent- the, the way I see it, the way that based on the information I have gathered, the conclusion that I draw, and I could be wrong, is that it kind of just seems like central planning. Yeah. Because if the government is deciding who wins and who loses, it's not it's not capitalism it's it's a myth yeah exactly and look we need to we need to like really get into this talk because we cannot draw on the conclusion that capitalism is wrong because in terms of what is actually good for people people will only buy for what is good for themselves so nothing is going to stay available if no one's willing to buy that product Mm. so whatever is available to the whatever people wish to buy is going to be the thing that continues to thriving and it's going to push in the best direction and it will push for better outcomes for the people that are living within those society and therefore standards of living will continue to grow. So also while we're at it, let's talk about minimum wage and wage negotiating because in a capitalist society, I feel like wage negotiating can have good benefits in terms of look some companies are going to offer small amounts of money but if you know your worth you're not going to take less than what you're worth now you cannot just say that you know your worth by i was just, about to say how do you how do you gauge exactly, what you're worth you cannot exactly say that you know your worth just because you wake up one day and go i'm not fucking worth ten dollars an hour but you've never done shit with yourself yeah but if you have worked up and this is a thing People can have capital as well. If you hold a, a certain amount of education or experience in something, that is your capital and that can get you into the next uh, big thing or the next job that's able to offer more. more money or more better outcomes for yourself. So, I mean, like for people that don't have any experience, like young people, young people always start out with jobs that don't pay a lot of money. So, I mean, like in terms of a young person getting a job, not only have they got a job, but they're also gaining experience. They're gaining their own capital. So when they do eventually quit that job, they can take that capital and put it into something else. And that capital continues to grow, yada, yada, yada. We all get what happens after that. The money continues to move up. You're not going to sit in the same spot and go, I'm just not making any money. It's just like, well, you're not trying to actually continue to move up. So, I mean, like, it's in your best interest to continue pushing that barrier to go for more experience, go for more knowledge so that way you can continue to make more money. Yeah, well, there's a reason that the highest paid group of people I think are around the 55 years in terms of age. It's because, well, you've had your entire career to build your knowledge, your information, your experience, all of that, and you become worth more and more and more. Exactly. In terms of like a society that has minimum wage, though, I mean, like, let's, we need to look at for a company that is just starting up. Let's just say, for example, the company that is starting up has a small amount of demand, 
but just big enough for them not to be able to handle it by themselves. So they decide to get someone else in, but they can't exactly, you know, give a lot of money, but they have to because it's law and it's the right thing to do. One, it will either crash or two, it will do it, but there may not just be, there may not be a lot of hours for that person. There might be... There there will either be less hours or there just won't be the job in the first place. Exactly. They'll just do something illegal maybe and also that's a one thing that i'm pointing out in the book the increase of part-time work or casual work or basically employees without strings attached i can't help but think that minimum wage probably doesn't help that problem because instead of being able to hire someone full-time at a certain at a certain wage i now have to hire them on casual hours at that minimum wage because otherwise i can't sustain that employee now with the work of that employee i can build my business up to a point where i can afford to pay them more and pass slight amounts of profit onto my employees. Plus, it encourages them to continue to work for me instead of going off and finding other places to go instead of being pulled off by competition. But if you have the minimum wage there in the first place and I can't afford it, well, now you're restricting, again, you're restricting competition. There's less competition. I may just not even have the job in the first place because I just cannot afford to have someone at that price. And also, the person who accepts that price has got to accept that price. If they don't want to work at that price, they won't. So, and also, look, I've worked in, I've worked a few jobs, and I haven't worked. I've worked in a few companies that aren't exactly that big. So, they're just they're just small businesses that are making a decent amount of turnover. They have their their wages. And sometimes they can show a little bit of hostility. You're not working fast enough. You're not doing this the right way. And they can become quite fucking nasty. Now, in a society that is able to offer, let's just say, uh, wage negotiation and stuff, you may be able to take whatever it is that you do know and just go somewhere else because the market is just so open. And also, if there's, Let's look at this, for example. So you look at jobs, uh, like you look at a wage in a, in a society where wage negotiation is available. Now, there's a lot more. There probably there probably would be a lot more businesses out there now because they're able to negotiate on a certain wage. They're able to continue. People are able to continue growing on those businesses. So I mean, like you can take. There's there's more range. There's not as much of a smaller market for people looking for jobs there's a large market and there's a large amount of uh, there's a large demand for people calling out for workers to come to their jobs so you know you can make you can arrange for certain things you know like good a decent wage or so but as it becomes minimum wage and stuff there isn't as much businesses there isn't exactly a whole lot of security if they're only offering casual and also in terms of being able to work yourself up to let's just say, a higher position within that company, it takes time because there's just so much security security within it. I mean, like we can look at companies that have, you know, foot workers and stuff and then you have forklift drivers, truck drivers, etc. If there's so much security there and you've got someone that just does absolutely nothing and you're just the foot worker doing all this hard work, there's nothing exactly allowing you to continue working harder if you just know you're not going to move, go anywhere. You have yeah. to wait for that little fucking kingdom to fall over before you can even get to that. Yeah, you've got to wait for a old mate Jeff to either cark it or leave exactly. before you can get up there. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm not going to bag my company, but the company I work for, but like, it's just, I work hard. Yeah. And I have been working hard for a long time. 
And it pisses me off when I see forklift drivers that have been sitting on their ass for 20 years that do half the amount of work of me, but can do that because the security. Now, if this was a society where there was competition, see you later. Yeah. This guy can do it way fucking better than you. Take your capital and fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm coming a, lot, a little bit like yes. angry here, but this is, the th- this is the thing. I've been working hard. Move over, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not doing shit. And you're making the rest of us feel like fucking idiots as well. You know, it's just, it's just really, it's a, it's, in terms of like being able to offer security for people, it, it's good. But it doesn't give the incentive to try and continue to progress in terms of making yourself better at working or trying to strive for more money, trying to improve your life. You okay. can just sit on your ass and do fuck all. Let's just take the whole the whole situation you've described there. So, you talk about the fact that someone has security leads them to not strive to improve. Now, take that and instead of saying, old mate, what's his face? We'll say corporation A. If corporation A has security of staying at the top of the market because government provides security, what happens? Just like you described, they lose the motivation to do better exactly. or innovate. It's just one big scale now. <laughs> <laughs> That's It's the exact same thing. It happens on the personal level and it also happens on the corporate level. It's exactly. the same thing. If you have the lack of competition, then there's no need to innovate or improve. It's the same thing with other workers. If I'm secure in my spot and there's nothing that they can fire me for in terms of how much work I do, well then... And especially if my pay isn't based on my achievement, well, then I can do fuck all. Exactly. And I'm secured in the spot. And I'll give you a good example of... So, I used to work in sales. And now, I'm pretty sure this is illegal the way they had me hired. So, maybe this isn't the best example. (laughs) They're not here anymore. So, that's okay. Well, yeah. The the company's gone fucking tits up. But that's not the point. So, I was hired as an individual contractor under this company. And my pay was based on sales. It was commission only, no base wage. So, if I didn't make any sales, I got paid nothing. I don't know if that's legal, but I thought, fuck it. Why not? It seemed like a good job when I went through the orientation day. I did pretty well. I thought to myself, yeah, fuck oath. But that was the biggest eye-opener for me that if you don't get shit done, you don't get the money. If you get shit done, you get the money. And I'll give you a good example. So, there was the two extremes of this job. Extreme... Example number A, which this is going to sound horrific, but I was dedicated to the job and I wanted to work fucking hard. I had what would have been close to a 60-hour work week. Guess how much money I made for that work week? How many? $50. Nice. (laughs) $50 for that entire week. Why? Because I made one fucking sale for the entire week. That was the worst week of my life, but also the poorest I performed. Why? That was on me. I performed poorly. I didn't get shit done. That was on me. On the other extreme end of the scale, in one day, one day, we're talking like, a, I think it might have been a nine-hour day, I made $1,150 in one day. That's like a weekly paycheck. I made it in one day. Same job. Different effort, different different results. I actually got shit done on day B and it showed because fuck me, I got all these sales. I was literally fucking, I was pissing out sales that day. It was crazy. You know what I realized? It's all to do with me. 
Because the one thing I did that day is I took the energy from one sale and I bought it to the next and I bought it to the next. Just kept building and building. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to roll. Whereas that week where I made 50 bucks, I was the slouchiest, laziest, grumpiest piece of shit and I wasn't getting shit done. And it <laughs> I showed bet you my result. Your, I bet you learned your lesson real quick. And guess what? I learned my fucking lesson. <laughs> and this is my point. It's like, if there's no competition, but the this isn't even competition. Well, actually, no, because the competition is with myself because if I don't do shit, I don't get paid. So, therefore, do shit, get paid. And this it's just like life. Yeah. Get shit done and you'll get rewarded for it. Exactly. If you don't do shit, you don't get rewarded exactly. for it. Exactly. And it doesn't always have to be money as well. I mean, like, we're obviously going to still always strive for money, but we can always build up our own capital as well. Mm. I mean, like, if we're working for companies that don't exactly value a whole lot of capital, then it's just like, well... But then also my next... What do I do? Do I just sit in this job and do fuck all, you know? It's just like... But my next question is, what am I worth? Am I worth the $50 a week? Or am I worth $1,100 a day? Yeah. Well, it depends on how much fucking work you're doing. Exactly. A company can't hire you for a price that you're not fulfilling. So, if you have security and now you're no longer filling what's needed of you well now we're running into some issues because now it's just going to be an inefficient company but then even worse we don't want to allow any competition to take the place well now we're just running at a deficit for no reason when it can easily be fixed and that's the thing am i worth the 50 dollars a week for a 60 hour work week or am i worth 1150 dollars a day for a nine hour day the answer is it depends on how much fucking work i do exactly exactly right yeah, I mean, it's to me, it gets frustrating. Just really gets frustrating. So I mean, like that's why I like in terms of and like, look, don't get me wrong, people struggle, and when I do see people struggling, I do feel really bad. But I do look at what we were at, maybe a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, to where we are now that the standards of living that we're currently at now just isn't so bad as what it used to be back then. Yeah. I mean, like, some of the poorest people have the luxuries of what a rich person would have had about... 20, 30 years ago. Exactly. I mean, like, who who, who was that? Within that book, there was a person that was the first person to ever have electricity in his house. Who was that? I don't think I've gotten that yet. Oh, okay. I think it was, like, J.P. Penny or something. I don't oh, someone a long time ago in America had was the richest so rich he got the country out of debt that rich oh shit yeah and that's when people were like whoa what's this man <laughs> doing with so much Big money baller man yeah exactly and they were just like why has he got so much money and then it became like a huge thing anyway but like in terms of that he was the first person to have electricity in his house today in today's standards everyone has electricity in their mm. house the poorest person can live like the richest man a hundred years ago. Yeah. So I mean, like in terms of like the way we're progressing in our future and stuff, yeah, there is still struggle. We are still we still have people that are you know really struggling to make it up there. But in terms of jobs that are offering minimum wage, they require some level of uh, some level of uh, experience or knowledge within that job. Yeah. Now, if you're starting at the bottom and you're a lot older, it can become a little bit harder because in that minimum wage thing, you are still worth what someone is with that amount of knowledge. So they're not exactly going to hire someone that has piss all to, to offer. Yeah. So, I mean, 
someone that is doesn't have an experience and wishes to gain more experience to come into the market will struggle finding a job unless they start up like fast food or hospitality yeah. or something. But even then, because you're still worth that amount, it, it becomes a lot more harder for you to actually progress. But in a, in a society that has lots of small businesses and offering small wage, small amount of wage, Nothing stopping you from getting that job and getting another job and building up your knowledge capital to continue to move up into that society. And because you're willing to take that small amount than what other companies are willing that are offering, not only are you helping drive up that little company as well, you can maybe find that as that company grows bigger that you can ask for a, a wage increase. If not, you've got that capital, you can move yeah. on to somewhere else. That or is even offering that if thing. there's just freedom of the market in general, another business can come along that's maybe found a more efficient way to do it. Therefore, they can afford to pay you more and say, well, hey, you've got experience in this industry. We need people from that industry want to come work for us. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, like the more businesses that there are and the more demand for, for products there are, the more that the more the demand will begin to grow for actually hiring people. And when there is a high demand but not a whole lot of workers people uh, working in companies will ask other people working with other companies yeah. to come here for maybe two or three dollars extra an hour or just better health benefits or it's something like exactly that. exactly to offer up more to other people you know we we do live in a society where it can become where it is hard for people to live but we're progressing we're continued continuing to move up and we need to remember that even though we're no longer living in the jungle, we still need to have that survival of the fittest yeah. going. And companies and people within those societies need to hit rock bottom, stay at rock bottom, some do, and some need to move up. And yeah. that's just the way it is. It's just nature within a society, well, a very powerful society. Yeah. Well, I think what was at the World Bank, they uh, posted, I think it was an article or something saying that, over the last, it was either 20 or 25 years, a billion people have come out of poverty. A billion. Yeah. A billion. A billion people have been brought out of poverty. That's that's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible what capitalism can do for people. But And then also another thing with the whole like... <laughs> this is where it gets a bit skewy though because then if we look at the poverty line, it's constantly changing what we actually consider to be poverty. So, for example, China. So <laughs> this... <laughs> This is a great example. So, in the US, for you to be below the poverty line, you have to be earning less than, I think it's $12,500 a year. To be above the poverty line in China, you have to be earning more than $400 a year. So, when China comes along and says, hey, we've pulled all these people out of poverty, it's like, cool. But where are you guys drawing the line of poverty? Because um, that's another thing as well where it gets a little bit skewy. Because um, I think I was talking about that in uh, standards of living. They're like poverty lines have, have been changing. And then also, even in the US, people who are who whose incomes are below the poverty line, in terms of purchasing power, what they actually buy, buy stuff that's worth, it's either 1.5 or 1.75 times the amount of income they get. And it's like, well, how is that possible? Because they don't have the... What, how are they almost buying double than what they actually have? It's because those income statistics don't account for food stamps and welfare and all that sort of stuff. It's not, it's not included. Um, so, I think that's another thing you need to be careful with as well in terms of like these statistics. It's like, okay, well, 
we've got to find out where we kind of draw the line. Exactly. We need to make sure that when we're looking at statistics, we need to be asking a lot of questions. Like just the other day, I was looking at uh, greenhouse gas gases emissions per capita and Australia was right up the top. Now, if we look at our society and, you know, we do trade within our country and we trade with other countries and stuff, we do uh, produce a lot of greenhouse gases a lot along with other countries. Now, we were right up the top. Uh, I can't remember how many countries it was. In ter- I think it was describing countries that had democracy or something. Even that's questionable because China was in there. Um, <laughs> but... But Australia was right up there per capita. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't sound great, but per capita means per person living within that society. So, there's 25 million people living within Australia. Now, America, Uh. America has 350 million. There were, I believe, five points ahead of us in terms of what it was good between per capita and it kept going down and down guess where china was i'm assuming china was right down the bottom oh it was yeah it was right down the it was literally four points down below the bottom you know why china is right down the bottom because there is 1.3 billion people that means you can share so much of those emissions per person because there is just a lot of people living within that country yeah and also you take that is a very wrong way to put a country into those statistics and the guardian fuck you for making australia look that bad you're a fucking disgrace i'm sorry but fuck you that is just so that is so loaded that is just absolutely loaded i cannot believe that we that that news company can make australia look so bad china has done so fucking bad in terms of there's a fog over china when you're looking in satellites per capita you want to talk about per capita they're literally 52 times bigger than Australia yeah. in terms of people. Come on. Seriously? You can't give me those statistics. That's just rubbish. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point... It's, <laughs> I've run to twice <laughs> in this bitch. I'm just like, fuck! <laughs> I mean, look, at that point, you've, you've probably got to ask if there's an agenda that's trying to be portrayed there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing with statistics. And that was my problem with household statistics and standards of living. Household statistics very much throw off, like, income, which because it looks like per person, but it's not. And then also it doesn't take into account whether or not the people from two different brackets, like in terms of time, are actually the same people or if they just fit into the same groups. Like, for example, if someone, a college student who's, say, studying to be a doctor, well, yeah, at one point, they're going to be like pretty close to the poverty line because they don't have a job. They're relying on welfare. Exactly. It's a lot of study and a lot of money for yeah. that study. And then, but then 20 years down the line, that person's going to be in like the top 40%, maybe even the top 20, maybe the top 10. Yeah. But according to the statistics, it doesn't follow the individuals to where they go. I mean, at that point, you're pretty much, <laughs> you're pretty much just saying old people make more money than young people. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. As time no moves shit. on, yeah, it does. <laughs> but that is a whole nother issue with statistics and yeah. biases and stuff like that. But Look, I, th- I think in terms of like where we need to progress, and I know I'm giving away a lot of the things towards the end of this book, but there's just so much information at the end of this book that concludes what it is that we need to move in the direction. And it says we need a government that organises itself around 
capitalist views and continues growing as the market grows, not just as in terms of like money-wise, but in terms of like the direction where people are heading. Just keep business out of government. Exactly. And that can become hard as well because, you know, people secretly yeah. get them but yeah, that's the thing they get gifts or you have or i can't remember what bloody presidential candidate it was going around doing speeches for two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a speech i think it was hillary ah yes that or one. michelle obama was one it? of those yeah it was one of them anyway yeah going around doing speeches for two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars an hour and it's like well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's just ridiculous yeah people know? people always find a way around it Exactly. And that's why she was, uh, this lady was saying, she's like, look, we need to make sure that in terms of the direction that we're heading with capitalism, we need to make sure that capitalism is always staying available for everyone within the market. So that way we can continue moving forward within that direction, allowing further prosperity in uh, technological advances, products that we're producing, all those other types of things. And that way, it always stays diverse. Yeah. And that way, we can always continue thriving. Also, avoiding taxes was another issue that they brought up as well. Yeah. Especially, it was interesting to hear about the whole double Irish thing, yeah. where they like export it to here and then send all their money towards an Irish owned business with no employees and then send it somewhere else and then send it back to an Irish bank account. And then they just avoid all these taxes. Yeah. And it worked out to be billions and billions of dollars that would have been paid to certain countries in taxes that they're just not getting. And that's another, that's again, another time where one company is playing by rules A and then another company is playing by rules B. And so it's not fair competition. It just isn't competition at that point. It's like yeah. one, it's like an athlete being on steroids and the other one being natural. Yeah, so exactly. It's just, yeah, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And so that's another thing. It's like, once again, your capitalism's kind of becoming a myth. Yeah, it's becoming less, and there's a reason because the whole thing with capitalism is competition. You've got to have competition because if there's no competition, well, then it's it's not capitalism. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's when you end up with like centrally planned economy. Like, if you want to talk about the ultimate monopoly, communism was the ultimate monopoly. Mm. Like, because it was all in one place. It's all essentially planned economy. That's the ultimate monopoly. Whereas the whole thing with capitalism is it's supposed to be everything but that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's and it's hard with the whole government because you'd need government regulation in certain areas to stop monopolies from coming up in the first because it's the whole fear of lost stuff. Like you get companies that get to the point where they're like, okay, we want to secure our spot here. So if we can work with our competition instead of against them, it get, like, it gets to a certain point where working with them is a better opportunity than working against them. And you do need government regulation to stop that from happening. Mm. But then at the same time, if you're not, and when they were talking about like, I can't remember what the exact term was, but the whole like collusion where you're not actually talking to each other, you're just observing everything about each other and kind of imitating the other duopoly or the other member in the duopoly or the, say the word. Oligopoly. Yeah. Or the other members in your oligopoly. There we go. (laughs) Then, yeah, that's hard as well because it's like, well, you're not actually communicating. You're just observing each other and copying each other's behavior. But it's the, still the same whole fear of loss. You don't want to lose your position in the market. Whereas that should be the thing that motivates you. That should be the thing that causes innovation, that makes things go further. Because it's the whole, if I don't do better, someone else will. Yeah. And yes, you might be sitting there going, oh, but I don't always want to be under the stress of having to do better. Blah, blah, blah. That's gotten us to where we are. If it wasn't for people 
that didn't have that fear, that didn't have that ambition, that didn't have all of that drive, then there would be no reason to exactly. do better. And I want to I want to put that under that that type of view under scrutiny right now because like or just observe it and give like a little bit of my uh, my honest advice about it is that you know we we need to remember that we have lived in a society for for this long that we've begun to become comfortable and stuff. But look, when we were living and we're not living in these tribes anymore, but like when we were living in these tribes, we needed to continue progressing in terms of making sure that we were hunting in the right ways, following following new ways of doing things, looking for water, all those types, learnt building materials, you know, looking for ways to innovate the, the tribe to do better. If you didn't, you weren't eating. They weren't going, oh, you know, I just want to fucking kick my feet up and stuff. You know, from time to time, yeah, they probably were kicking their feet up. But if, at the end of it, everyone within those tribes needed to work together to make sure that they were all eating, they were all drinking to survive, they were all working together and pushing to continue on thriving forward. Not all the time. Some of them <laughs> become a little bit, you know, uh, well, that's another tribe, thing is that's, different opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's where specialization starts to come into it as well. It's like it gets to a point where you don't need to anymore. Yeah. But the comp- but the thing is, I say you don't need to hunt for food and do all that because there's now specialization in those areas where people become super specifically skilled in that area. But then it's the same competition within those individual areas that then yeah. continues progress. Exactly. We, can, we, need, we need to continue progressing forward in order to make sure that we don't whatever happens, we don't end up right back at the beginning. You know, let's just say, for example, Meteor comes our way, you know, we might be able to develop science that can push it in a new direction. The nuclear bomb. <laughs> then you what? The nuclear bomb. Oh. <laughs> no, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I even looked into that a little bit and they were like, oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson actually did it. He got a huge rock. Yeah. They put a bomb on it. It just blew parts of it up. Yeah. So, and you then, just have multiple ones. And then he's just like, but let's put it right in the middle. And he's like, they blew it up and it went everywhere. And he's just like, did you see that? That's all going to hit Earth now in many different directions. <laughs> he said, but if we can get a satellite or something big enough to go around it, yeah. orbit around it, create this connection, then we may, may be able to connect it. Uh, throw its inertia off sort of thing. Yeah, throw it into another direction. I was like, fuck, your boys are smart. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, and, and also, the other thing, we continue to progress. The more people we pulled out of poverty, the more access to what would have been considered luxurious items more people have. Getting to the point where even countries that may not have ever dreamed of having certain products will end up having them because we've come so far and they've become so cheap, so efficient. We have so much extra. Just Exactly. Exactly right. You know, it's... We need to progress. We need to, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to ourselves and go. You know, we need to, you know, know when to relax and know when to stop. Don't get me wrong; it's always good to relax and stop and think about the direction where we're going and stuff. But I do think at the same time we need to remember that we are individuals living within a larger uh, collective group and yeah. stuff. It's good to think about ourselves, but we need to continue thinking about everyone else and into the people that are going to be living within this future we're continuously creating so i mean like it's good to be open-minded i'm glad that people are thinking about themselves more and you know making sure that they're feeling 
that they're doing the right things and all those types of things. But at the same time, there are other people living in this world. We need to make sure that we're continuously progressing so that way it can be become more easier to have better standards of living so we can progress a new field so that way new technology new technologies can evolve and we can push further into other things that we couldn't even imagine today and also at the same time build a government infrastructure that assists that not prohibits it you know what don't look at what it says it does look at what it actually does you know what we've had this discussion if uh when uh ai when it comes uh, uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, uh, yeah, when it becomes like conscious. Sentient. Uh, the singularity. Uh, singularity. You know, yeah, if yeah. we, let's just say, for example, we reach singularity and it goes, and it doesn't want to kill us because we're the, I don't think it would see us as the problem. You and I have had a lot of dis- disagreements and agreements yeah. on these. But, you know, let's just say, for example, it doesn't try killing us and we go, it goes, okay, look, this is, this is what's happening. Let's, let's, let's go and, the direction where we continue to progress and make sure that we're not trying to continuously kill ourselves. <laughs> it becomes stuff. a communist. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a communist. <laughs> but, 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 you know, at least, at least that thing wouldn't become so selfish and go, you know what, I'm right at the top there, right at the bottom. Uh, you can stay down there, keep making that moolah for me. I mean, I don't know. Well, see, this is where arguments going to come to. Depends on what it's based off of because if it's based off of human nature. Uh, but it needs those human senses. Yeah, but... <laughs> Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll find. I guess <laughs> maybe, we'll maybe find we'll just, out. Maybe we'll just maybe we'll just end it here. Yeah. We- <laughs> this I feel like this will be an. <laughs> this is where you and I really come to an uh, come to a point where we agree, but, but then also disagree. disagree, and then yeah. we come to an agreement, and it's just a continuous thing. It's a continuous, and then but the problem is it'll get to a point where it's like, okay, well, why are we having this fucking why argument? Are we having this it's conversation not real. In the first place? <laughs> I mean, like, it's becoming real, but it's not actually real yet. <laughs> But, you know, let's just say, for example, if we're able to have something as intelligent as that come into a play and go, you know, this government is very selfish and continuously pushes it in the direction that it wishes for it to go in terms of themselves, then it goes, okay, this is where, where it's actually needing to go. Let's go from those bases there. Do you not then think it would be in the government's best interest to stop that from happening? Hey, don't tell them. <laughs> don't tell them. Don't tell them, all right? <laughs> okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll finish it there because we're, we're getting off topic now. But, um, yeah, basically, end points, you know. Capitalism, we ain't really living... I mean, we're living in a capitalist society, Just but not, not really. Yeah. We need to bring the competition back to capitalism. Exactly. And, and it will become a lot more fairer for everybody yeah. if we have that. And, you know, just... Watch out. Look at what it says it does, not what it actually does. Exactly. Let's finish it off with a high five. All right. right. See you later. Ciao.